welcome to the Onside Kick Family Hour. I'm your host, Ryan Van Biver. With me, as always, Stephen White. Hey, Stephen, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. How about you? Oh, you know, I'm doing all right, hanging in there, getting ready for the draft, getting all caught up on just figuring out who these uh, who these guys are, besides just, you know, five quarterbacks or four quarterbacks and a wide receiver, if you if you listen to Bill Poland, but... Yeah, hopefully nobody's still doing that. But surely yeah. not, surely not. But uh, I, you know, I did you? I, I guess you saw that article about I, you know, his his uh, he doesn't have an agent for the draft. This is Lamar Jack doesn't have an agent for the draft, and um, his mom is his manager. And teams were starting to complain about that. But like, I guess it kind of set me off because like that's kind of obnoxious because. I mean, not Lamar in his camp, but just obnoxious in the sense it's like they set this guy up for they push that wide receiver shit and then they don't have to answer for it. And then and then they can go out there and complain because his camp kind of circles the wagons a little bit because, you know, they're not going to he's he's not a wide receiver. They don't want him to be a wide receiver. They're not going to handle it that way. And then they get criticized for that. It's like, damn, what a no-win situation that shit is. Well, here's the thing. None of this shit matters. Yeah. Right? Ultimately, all this stuff we're talking about, none of that really factors into team assessments of uh, Lamar Jackson. And whether he goes in the first round or the second round, if he gets an opportunity to play, then none of this shit will matter. People who call him a wide receiver... Or people who say he's a legit quarterback. Quarterback. Yeah. He'll have the opportunity to prove this. So it is infuriating that we keep having this conversation. And when I say keep, I'm not talking about just Lamar Jackson. This is an annual thing now. Yeah. And of course, we also had the Wonderlick. Uh, oh yeah. Scores leaked last week, and I had to block a bunch of assholes over that because this is the same thing that happens. Every fucking year, a black quarterback comes out and he's not smart enough or he's too athletic. He should play another position, anything but to give him credit for being the unique quarterback that he is. And so, you know, it's infuriating, but ultimately none of this shit is going to matter. Right. I don't think the fucking Buffalo Bills are looking at ESPN and thinking, (laughs) well, we better not take this guy quarterback because these yahoos say he's a, he's a wide receiver. I really don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. So <clears throat> wherever he goes, we'll all get to see who is right or wrong real soon. Yeah. And, of course, the motherfuckers who called him a wide receiver will never admit they were wrong. But we'll know they are, and we'll be able to point it out over and over and over oh, again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's why, you know, I try not to get too exercised about this shit. Now... On another note, I will say that I agree that Lamar Jackson is making a mistake not having an agent. Yes. Uh, That is a legitimate criticism. That has nothing to do with him on the field. Right. But you have to understand what an agent does. Yeah. And what they can't do. You know, first, can an agent, you know, guarantee him going in the first round? No, of course not. Some will make it seem like they can, but that isn't something that really can happen usually. However, your agent does way more than just negotiate your contract. Yes, Lamar Jackson is already slotted to make whatever he's going to make once he's drafted because of the rookie scale, the rookie pay scale now. However, and especially for a quarterback coming out, your agent, a good agent, agent for a quarterback will have contacts for the best quarterback trainers out there. The guys that can work on specifically what you need to show teams you have improved on from the end of the season until the draft. Your agent will be able to answer concerns from different teams, things they might need to know without you having to do it directly because it's always awkward when they are talking to you directly and you're having to defend yourself because, you know, their job isn't to draft you as high as possible or pay you the most amount of money. 
it's really the exact opposite. You know, basically teams try to figure out how late can we draft this guy and still get him and pay him the least amount of money for the most amount of time. Yeah. yeah. Because they're not in the business of give, throwing money at guys. So you need somebody who can listen to them, throw bullshit your way, not take it personally, and file right back with your insane demands. So now we meet somewhere in the middle, right? But you can't really do that yourself. Yeah. It's, it's too, they're not going to talk to you the same way they would talk to a middleman. And you're not going to talk to them the same way your agent could. Because you have to play for this team. Your agent doesn't. Yep. Your agent can be the biggest asshole in the world to the team. And they should be at times. But that doesn't ruin your relationship with the team because you still you know, are out there performing for them. But if you said the things your agent says to the team... <laughs> That would probably be a big problem. And vice yeah. versa. If the team said things to you that they say to your agent, and, and a lot of it might be bluster and bluffing, you might catch feelings too. And so there's a myriad of reasons why Lamar Jackson should have an agent, a good, reputable, uh, established agent guiding him through this process. And it's way above and beyond Negotiating a contract. Hell, there are agents nowadays that'll charge like one percent. Yeah. Trust me, you 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 will behoove yourself to pay that one percent because they will more if they're a good agent, they will more than make that money. It'll be worth it. And as I always say, get you somebody to negotiate your contract in case something goes wrong. You have somebody to sue. Yeah. You can't sue yourself. If you fuck up your contract, guess what? You're stuck with it. At least if your agent does, you might be able to get some compensation out of that. Yeah. And I always say that. Always, if you can have one, have you a fucking middleman and put it on them so that they are liable to you. Yeah. So, you know, in that situation, now, if I was his agent... I still wouldn't have told him to run a 40. So some of this, again, is still intertwined. Yes, he needed an agent, but that had nothing to do with him not running a 40. A smart agent would have told him to do the same thing because you know what? You are way more than a track guy. Yeah. Okay, everybody knows Lamar Jackson's fast. Yeah. He doesn't have to go out there and run a fucking 40 to show that. He got plenty of film that shows it. Yeah. Run away from people. What they want to see is him throw, and so let's focus on him throwing, which is what you need a quarterback to do. Yeah. But, again, so both things can be true. He was totally fine not running the 40. He didn't need an agent to tell him to run the 40 because a good agent would have told him not to, too. But he does still need an agent. Yeah. It's a little late in the game now for that. But I still think there's just things that your agent sets up for you as a rookie that you just don't understand or know. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They help you get moved and all that stuff. Stuff that is, is distracting when you're trying to learn the playbook and get, in, you know, get into the new system and, and understand everything. Yeah. And so that's something that's taken off your plate. Yeah. yeah. So, again, like, both things can be through, true. Yes, there are some things that, that uh, Lamar Jackson probably should have done, like hiring an agent throughout this process. But that doesn't mean the decisions they're making are totally wrong. Right. He he, he was 100% within his rights and probably smart to not run a 40 at the combine or at his pro day. And as I understand it, I didn't get to see it myself, but a lot of people said he performed well at his pro day as yeah. well. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, what else can you do? Yeah. yeah. It's uh, <laughs> like quarterbacks, it just, it's something about it brings out the... Uh, it just it brings out the worst freaking takes in all the draft with quarterback stuff. I was going through that. The, we got a quiz coming out next week, going back through all the way back to Jabarcus Russell with things that have been said by quote unquote experts about quarterbacks over the years. And it's let me tell you, some of the stuff we dug up is is just shockingly stupid in hindsight. You know what the most frustrating thing is is. It's like these people who believe in the bell curve or they think that black people are just inherently inferior yeah. in some way. 
And they don't think there's anything wrong with it. Like, they don't think they're racist. They're like, well, I'm just telling it like it is. And yep. so you see so many of these bad takes. But even after they're proven wrong, these dumbasses still come back and act like they were right. Yeah. You know, I saw somebody fucking defending Nolan Naraki out of Jeez. everybody you could fucking defend. <laughs> Saying, well, somebody he was actually right on. What the fuck are you talking about? Like, if you, if you make that statement about that guy, you should at least point to some fucking examples. Yeah. But he doesn't have to. Because in his mind, he just believes that Nolan Naraki was right about some of these guys. Yeah. Right? Or they'll, they'll twist the facts to make it seem like he was right. When most of that was just racist, run-of-the-mill racist bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what's frustrating to me is that you got these people acting like, oh, I'm just telling it like it is. I ain't racist. Yes, you are. Yes, <laughs> yeah. you actually are. Yep. This would kill me. Like, I found like these, you know, like they're saying, here's Kuiper and McShay talking about Johnny Manziel in the draft process. And like, oh, the NFL's really changing. He really fits with the way the NFL's changing. And like the funny part was, and this is just, I mean, just for sheer comedic value as opposed to the more insidious stuff that you hear around draft time. But, like, you know, like, how this guy, <laughs> Johnny Manzio, literally eats, breathes, and drinks football. Three, two, four, seven, three, sixty-five. But, like, that was funny in and of itself. But like, just to hear him, like, oh, the game's really changing this guy's way. And then, like, in the same token, you know, a couple of years later, Deshaun Watts, well, doesn't really fit the game. Colin Kaepernick, ah, Colin Kaepernick doesn't really fit the way the game's played. You have to have a system for him or... You know, Lamar Jackson's the same way, or Cam Newton's the same way. It was always like, hmm, what is the difference with these guys, I wonder? And it's so funny because now, at, you know, after they said all that about Johnny football, just loving football, he's, yeah. he's all about football, this guy comes out, Johnny Manziel, and himself says, hey, if they'd have done their homework, they'd have known. I wasn't into the X's and O's, baby. I wasn't doing all this studying bullshit. I wasn't with that. They should have known that. They all they had to do was ask around. So you got to do snitching on itself, dry snitching for one, and blaming the NFL, the the Browns for not knowing that he didn't give a fuck because evidently it was widely known that yeah. he didn't give a fuck. Yeah. And so you go back and you listen to all these tapes about all I'm hearing that he just loves football. He just lives, <laughs> eats, and breathes football. And and you think about. All of the black quarterbacks who they said the exact opposite about. Yeah. And now we know the truth that not only was they were they wrong about Johnny Manziel, it was evidently an open secret that he didn't give a fuck. Yeah. Because if you do your homework, you'd have known I wasn't about the X's and O's. But not one person said, oh, he can't read a defense. Do you remember them saying about yeah. Johnny Manziel? Because I remember them saying about, about just about every black quarterback that comes in, oh, he has a hard time reading the defense and processing well. Yeah. And Johnny Manziel telling you he don't know shit about no X's and O's. Yeah. Oh, shit. So, I mean, like, I mean it, stuff's amazing in hindsight. It's just like, he can, you know, he's okay at throwing the ball, but, like, if he's not running it, you just don't have much of a, you know, he can't really do anything. It's like, yeah, no, Cam Newton can do both pretty well. <laughs> Right, even to this day, I mean, the guy don't want a fucking MVP, and you still got people questioning him as a pastor. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. And 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 the funny thing is, you can see Tom Brady go out there and skip a ball right off the ground, like every quarterback does it. Yeah. But when Cam Newton does it, see, see, look yeah. that. Brother. Yeah. It's just amazing the pretzels that these people twist themselves into to make it seem like, oh no, I'm, I'm not saying that. No, it's not because he's black. <laughs> It just so happens that all the black quarterbacks are dumb, and all the black quarterbacks can't read a defense. It just so happens that I didn't notice that Johnny Manziel didn't give a fuck and didn't know nothing about X's and O's and couldn't read a defense. It was just a coincidence. Yeah. Strange coincidence. It never changes, man. It's amazing how that has never, like, <laughs> just doesn't, people just don't give that up. The words change. The language changes a little bit, but. That's about it. <laughs> That's about it. So, yeah, it's kind of, you know, it's it's like when when people would use evolutionary theory to describe their racism. I'm not racist. I'm just a social Darwinist, stuff like that. I'm just saying, like, these people, 
hoops, hurdles, pretzels, they just find a way to maneuver themselves into believing that they really ain't what they are, what they showing themselves to be. Yeah. And yeah, I, I don't have to call them that. They they are making statements to that effect every day. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's something else. If you if you do want more quarterbacks are kind of a hard thing to to study in the read up to the draft because it's not like I'm sure like the teams and stuff do and ESPN draft analysts and stuff like that can get all 22 tape. But you know, that's just not like it's it's not widely available out there. So it's a uh, it's getting a read on quarterbacks. It's just it's so funny how the opinions and just how much like I was reading like Bill C published that thing today which is kind of a, you know, using statistics to kind of predict quarterback performance and and you know, you don't really see their ceiling, but you definitely see sort of their limitations in what a quarterback can be and man people are just all up in his mentions i told i told him earlier like i can't believe you're still on twitter when you have to deal with that shit. <laughs> but just about that like you know like hey the numbers don't paint a great picture for josh allen's future in the nfl man people are crazy about it they're going nuts over it and those same people are the ones who you know probably taking a huge gigantic shit on lamar jackson yeah of course. right they just love Love Josh Allen's potential, but you got a dude that can shake somebody out they draws in the open field and turn around and hit a bomb seventy yards down the field. Nah, that don't excite you at all. No, it's just yeah. amazing though, and I can appreciate both of them. I I can sit here yeah. and say, look, Josh Allen really does look the part. He has yeah. the big arm, you know, he's athletic. Yeah, I think he ran like a four seven at the combine yeah. or some shit, and people don't talk about that enough. But when you look at his film. He has a bunch of shit that worries you. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and again, I don't break down quarterbacks. Don't come in my bitches about Josh <laughs> Allen. I'm gonna block the shit out of you. I'm, I'm giving you a fair warning. I don't break. I don't break down quarterbacks for this very reason. But I'm just saying I've seen enough, watched him enough to say, yeah, he has some issues. And guess what? Lamar Jackson does too. I can admit that too. It's just weird that some people can only see. The, the good things about Josh Allen and can only see the negative things about Lamar Jackson. Yeah. That's what's interesting to me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know, Deshaun Watson had it, and how does, how did I, I'm trying to think, Deshaun Watson, I mean, he got hurt, but it seems like he had a pretty good start to his NFL career last year. He was fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah. And, and look, <laughs> it was so funny because now, you know, once you get to the NFL, I can watch it all 22. Yeah. So I was watching Deshaun Watson in the preseason. And I'm, I'm like, why in the fuck ain't they starting this kid in the first yeah. place? And I remember that first week, somebody tweeted me and asked, because uh, I said something about, uh, what was the guy who they had starting? Tom first, Savage. Uh, Tom Savage, right? People of draft and Twitter. I, and I basically made a statement like, you know, why isn't Deshaun in there? Because they were sacking the shit out of uh, uh, Tom Savage all over the place. At first, somebody was like, well, uh, it's going to be the same thing. It's the same offensive line in front of them, which showed me they didn't know shit about football. Yeah. Of course, a more mobile quarterback is going to help your shitty offensive line. That's why you get a mobile quarterback in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> and then somebody else is like, uh, you would have started uh, – when would you start Deshaun Watson? I said, today. <laughs> and he probably comes in in the second half. And and look, I'm not no fuck. It's not rocket science. I'm not sitting up here acting like I read some tea leaves or some shit. It's <laughs> common fucking sense. You got a mobile quarterback, you're not going to get sacked as much probably. Deshaun Watson comes in, and what do you know? All of a sudden, it's a lot harder to get to him and get him on the ground. And that gives... Your good receiver like Nut Hopkins, time to get open. Yeah. And that's what you needed. It wasn't that Tom Savage was awful because he couldn't throw. It was because he didn't have time and he couldn't move away from the rush. Yeah. So, you know, you got to know this shit. But people were still like, oh, Tom Savage is the best option here. What the fuck game are you watching? <laughs> what What did you watch in the preseason? <laughs> like, I, I literally saw people saying, oh, Deshaun Watson just wasn't ready. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> what would have what what shown that he was ready? I mean, the kid looked jet poised. He reminded me so much of Dak the year before, just poised, right? Yeah. Just knew where he was supposed to go with everything, knew how to run the team, 
you know, wasn't getting delayed game penalties and shit. He looked the part. Yeah. And from day one, I was like, why don't you just start the kid? And wouldn't you know it? Now, yeah, again, he ends up getting hurt, but nobody could foresee that. But if I had everybody, I remember everybody last year was making it seem like Deshaun Watson was overrated. Yeah. Again, looking at all his negatives, but where were the positives? Where are the positives to balance that out? But every year we have to go through this shit, man. I'm just, I, I'm starting hard. to get it, numb to it. You know, and I'll tell you, like, I was thinking about this today because, like, I was going through and putting the gifts in it, the um, Miller, your breakdown. Ah, oh, shit, I can't remember his first name. Anthony Miller. Anthony Miller, the Memphis receiver, who I'll, well, I, would, I do want to talk about him specifically in just a second. But, like, I was going through putting the gifts together. I was thinking about this today because, like, he's not somebody that had been on my radar. Like I say, I'm not, like, I you know, I'm sort of in remedial draft 101 right now. I'm embarrassed to admit because I have, you know, I, I didn't get a chance to follow it very closely during the season this year and so much, but it's, it's, it's just damn hard to separate. Like it's try to go. If you want to get caught up on the draft this week, if you could spend, you know, the next four days just kind of picking up where you, you know, what you need to know about the draft and the players and who they are and, their skills and abilities and strengths and weaknesses and stuff like that. It's real hard to find that without just a lot of bullshit. I mean, you can find bits and pieces here and there. I mean, obviously, you know, your draft profiles are a great example. But I mean, I don't want to just, I'm not, obviously I'm going to talk up our stuff. You know, I'm just, it's just natural. But like, you know, you look at, you go to the other outlets out there and there's a few good draft things here at this place and a few there at this place and a few there at this place. But like, it's hard because the rest of it is just, you're just inundated with bullshit. And then you get stuff like, you know, like the Schefter tweet this morning about like, oh, you've got four quarterbacks rated 90 by Stats Inc or Scouts Inc or whatever. It's like, that sounds good. But, like, stop and think about that. That doesn't mean shit. And, like, somebody pointed out, it's like, oh, the last time this happened, here are the quarterbacks they had rated over 90. And I can't remember exactly who it was, but it was just sort of like the E.J. Manuals and, you know, Blaine Gabberts of the world. Right. The look the part all-star. Yeah. I mean, last year, Mike Glennon looked the part. I yeah. told everybody, he, you watch his film and you know he ain't the part. Yeah. But people like look the part all-star. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's unfortunate because you, that's how you overlook talent yeah. at any position, really. Yeah. Because it's not about if they look pretty doing it. It's about whether they're effective doing it. Yeah. And, or yeah, I mean, so, sometimes you just, well, a guy needs to be this size to play defensive end. No, he doesn't. What if he's smaller than that and can still hold his own? Yeah. Right, Vic Beasley comes to mind. Yeah. When people were talking about under, he's too undersized. No, the fuck he ain't. Look at his film. Yeah. He's making it happen. But, you know, people love those <laughs> look the part all stars. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, so, we, I mean, we'll see. And look, I, Donald being too small. <laughs> right. It, exactly. He should have been the top pick in the draft. Like I said, if he was two inches taller, he would have been. Yeah. But people couldn't see past his height. Yeah. They really couldn't. So, but, you know, the the thing is, uh, with Anthony Miller in particular, it, I hadn't even heard of him either. Yeah, <laughs> like he wasn't on my radar. I had heard of the other guys, but I hadn't heard of him. And turns out he seems to be the most dynamic of the guys that I've broken down so far. Yeah. So that just goes to show you again, like this whole draft thing is. I'm not going to say it's bullshit because obviously I get paid to write these right up and I like to keep getting paid to write them. But at the end of the day, man, what's going to tell the tale is how they perform after this. Yeah. Right. You can project them and you might be right. Well, this guy's going to go number two to the Giants. But what if he's shitty? Then you and the Giants were wrong. Yeah. You should have been like, and that's why I don't even try to, to put guys to a team or anything like that. I try to say where I think they should be drafted. But at the end of the day, man, some of those guys are almost guaranteed to fail. Yeah. We're going to sure. be wrong on them. Yeah. And so none of this stuff is binding. None of this stuff really matters in, in the grand scheme of things. 
these are just supposed to be educated guesses. Yeah. It's just weird, like, there's some... Sometimes you can see personal biases coming into this. And again, I'm not just talking about quarterbacks. Right. You see guys who just, you know, well, you don't like to see a DB do this certain thing, even though they're effective at it, or a guard, or, you know, defensive tackle. You, you want a defensive tackle to look a certain way. But a guy, like you said, Aaron Donald, it is whooping ass up and down the line at Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I was just blown away by his tape, if you remember. Yeah. This was a dude that loafed a lot, and I didn't give a fuck. <laughs> like, this dude literally started walking on a couple plays, but he was so damn good that I was just like, I don't care. <laughs> I want that guy on my team. But it's just sometimes, man, people really have to be careful about their biases because, like, you know, just the, the Anthony Miller thing. If I went by what I was hearing other people say, it didn't seem like he was rated that very, that very high on other people's yeah. lists. But when I looked at him, I was like, shit, this dude can play. Yeah. He's making all kind of diving catches and making catches over guys and, you know, catching short routes and, and taking it up the sideline. I like that kid. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, this whole draft season, man, we all just have to kind of be be aware of the biases that can creep in yeah. if we left. Because yeah. the narrative and this and that, you know, somebody pointed this out the other day. Out, out, out of all the quarterbacks, the one who's supposedly going number one overall to Cle- to the Cleveland Browns, uh, Sam Darnold, and the, the guy who has a bunch of question questionable decisions on film in terms of interceptions seems to be getting the least amount of scrutiny. Yeah. And it's almost because it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to Cleveland. And so what's the use to even debating what you know how he's gonna play or not or whether he's worthy of the top overall pick. Yeah. But that kind of does the whole conversation a disservice. We ought to be talking about him. Yeah. Damn sure we should be talking about him before we talk about Lamar Jackson switching to wide receiver. <laughs> yeah. But some kind of way that conversation isn't really going on. Yeah. People talking about Josh Rosen and, you know, stuff of that nature. Yeah, millennial and whether he'll fit his personality or fit in gritty Cleveland. I mean, I mean, where is Aaron Aaron Rodgers from? I'm pretty sure he's from California, too, in gritty Green Bay. I I think he'll be okay. But again, we're we're having these dumbass conversations instead of talking about whether Sam Darnold should be going number one over. Well, that's what's crazy. It's like if you asked if you asked me today, if somebody asked me on the street, just like tell me about the quarterback traveler, my first instinct would be like, well, Sam Darnold's gritty, and he's a good fit for Cleveland. Josh Rosen is a millennial, and he's too smart, and uh, <laughs> it's just like I know all this stupid stuff that I can't escape, but I honestly couldn't tell you like, oh, the guy throws a really nice spiral on a. Six route, but you know you don't want to. Just, you know, it's just. <laughs> it's easy to get all the stupid stuff about these quarterbacks, and it's funny too because then you miss so much else. It's like, all you think about all those guys that get drafted in the third and fourth and later rounds of the draft or undrafted free agents, and you know, <laughs> it's not like we were spending a lot of. Nobody was talking a lot about you know Yannick and Gui and. and in, ah, damn, I can't pronounce his last name. In Gakwe. Yes, in Gakwe, <laughs> from the Jaguars in 2016. And lo and behold, the guy turns into he's a pretty good, pretty damn good defensive lineman. You know, somebody pointed this out on Twitter the other day, and, and I don't even think I ever had, had would have thought of this. But And I know Tom Brady throws this off, but he was a six-round pick. They were like, other than Peyton Manning, when was the last time he had a first-round pick won a Super Bowl? Yeah. I mean, you really got to go back, right? Because, now, again, Tom Brady skews it, but he was a six-round pick. You can't change that. Yeah. So, I, I mean, and you got Russell Wilson sprinkled in there. I mean, I guess you probably have to go back. But Drew Brees wasn't a first-round pick either. I think he was like a second-round pick. Yeah. The top, the top pick in the second round. So he wouldn't count. You had to go back to Aaron Rodgers, I guess. Yeah. So, and even then, <laughs> I mean, 
that goes to show you that this first round pick quarterback thing ain't no guarantee. Yeah. <laughs> That's it's really not. I mean, you got sixth round pick, fourth round pick, uh, whatever uh, <laughs> Nick Foles was. Was it? What was he like? Fifth round pick, I think. Oh, Nick Foles. What was it? Third round. Third round pick. So I mean, we spend so much time talking about these first round quarterbacks, like you said, <laughs> and we might need to be focusing on those guys that's going to go second or third round. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, you think about it, like Aaron Rodgers. It wasn't like he was the consensus first overall pick either. You know, I know he was a first rounder, but like. It wasn't like he was the celebrated third rounder or any first rounder or anything like that, you know? Right. Oh, what? You know what? We got to sprinkle Eli in there somewhere, too. Yeah, I always forget yeah. about him. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Eli. He, it's just so easy to forget that he won what, two Super Bowls. Well, the weirdest so. one out of all that, and he is a first rounder, and like you look back and like the first, this is like, <laughs> it's Joe Flacco. <laughs> Yeah, Joe Flacco. <laughs> Elite Joe Flacco. Elite. Elite. Hat tip to our friend PFT Commoner. But again, I mean, that kind of shows you why some of us hate the whole quarterback wins thing. Yeah, oh yeah. Because, sure. you know, a lot of these guys, whether it was a first-round pick or not, you know, didn't necessarily have to do a whole lot to win those Super Bowls. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, we'll see. How it all shakes out, but if we go by history, a bunch of these guys that we're talking about going in the first round this year probably will never even see a Super Bowl. No. So, and that goes to show you got to have that that supporting cast yeah. in place. Yeah. No, that's for and I, you know the out of all the Super Bowl MVPs and Super Bowl winning quarterbacks that really exemplify that more than anything is I think Nick Foles. You know what I mean? I mean. Hey, there's nothing about Nick Foles that makes you think, you know, here's a guy that's just going to be first ballot Hall of Fame for Canton or anything like that. But, you know, he's good enough that you put the tools and the team around him and the, they win. You put some smart coaching, which is, you know, har probably harder to come by in the NFL these days than it should be. But I mean, as recently as what week sixteen and week seventeen, we weren't sure about Nick Foles. No, no, no. Neither one of us, man. <laughs> <Hell> no. <laughs> oh, all right. So I want to go back to Miller because you're like I think you hit the nail on the head. We said there's just not a lot of wide receivers to get excited about in the draft this year. I mean, not not that to say that they're it's a bad group per se, but it's just none of them are. You know, there's no. Julio Jones type guy or anything like that this year, but man, Anthony Miller, that I, I have to say, going back and look at those videos and making the gifts and stuff for that, it he does jump off the page at you. Right, I I thought he was just kind of a, a high volume catch guy, and really when I first started watching him, the way he moved, I thought he was a smaller guy too, because it, like he moved quick in and out of his breaks, kind of like a Brandon Cooks type. Yeah. But he's actually 5'11". And then, you know, you see him jump over guys to make plays. He ended up having a vertical leap of 39 inches the other day, which is outstanding. Yeah. And, it, and it's reflected on his tape. Yeah. So, I mean, the dude had 31 catches in four games. Yeah. Right? Out of all those gifts, those were just like the top plays. But it was a bunch of more just regular run-of-the-mill plays. And... Now, he, he can't block for shit. I'll just be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. he, he's, he's pretty much a terrible blocker most of the time. But as far as running with the football, he's physical as hell. He finishes yeah. off all the runs. He doesn't run out of bounds. He has really a, a good balance going up the sideline. Like, he tiptoes up the sideline and gets an extra five yards consistently. Yeah. So, I mean, it just – from short routes to intermediate to long, deep routes. This guy could do it all. And he, he did it with a little bit of pizzazz. You know, he had that, that pew. Yeah. When he catch the ball, he switches gears. And if you ain't ready, he's going to leave you in the dust. Yeah. And, and he can juke you and all that stuff. 
And most of the other guys I had broken down before, uh, yeah, uh, Cortland Sutton, who's the, the bigger receiver. Mm-hmm. But he really wasn't making a whole lot of, you know, back shoulder fade catches over people anyway. Yeah. Uh, James Washington, I thought, had the best hands of the, those first three guys uh, that, that, that I broke down. And he had decent speed, but he wasn't really running away from guys. Yeah. And then uh, Ridley... Yeah, I think maybe it was a product of the games I used for really, but he had some question marks too, especially on contested catches. But I mean, Anthony Miller's making contested catches. He's getting open. He's jumping over people. He's running away from people, and he's just you know had he had a couple of drops that that were just concentration drops. But he ran some really nice plays just. Balls that were behind him. He had a one-handed catch yeah. that was low one in front of him, and it was just so much to like about his film. And so, I, you know, in my evaluation, I couldn't worry about what other people were saying or whether they had him ranked high or not. To me, he was the best guy that I saw, mm-hmm. and exactly. it really wasn't that close. Uh, no, you know, you know what one really stood out to me too out of all those clips was that it's 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 the touchdown catch against UConn, and like the. D-back has him covered as just as well as you could cover a guy. I mean, like, you couldn't ask a corner to cover a receiver any better than the way that guy was covering Miller in the end zone. And he went up over him, made the catch, despite the fact that the guy's arms were just all over it, just intertwined. There's just, you know, like I say, it was just about as perfect of a pass defense as you could ask a cornerback to give you. And, man, he just caught it anyway. No problem. Just snatched it out the air. Yeah. <laughs> and, and if you the DB coach, you can't even grade the DB down on that one. No. Hey, man, he get coached up too. <laughs> so, I mean, and, and like I said, I, I don't care where Anthony Miller is drafted. I'll be interested to see after three years what his stats look like compared to the other guys. Because yeah. I have a very good feeling that he's going to be at or above the rest of them. Yeah. You know what I kept thinking about too reading that today was that – I, and Spencer and Jason have talked about it. Or Jason Kerr, our college football editor, I've talked about. It. If you want a good, your best wide receivers in the NFL, it seems like are all. You want to go get that guy who's been super productive at one of those, like uh, you know, not like the not one of the top SEC schools or anything like that, but like those, you know, those those lower level FBS programs. <laughs> go find your productive receiver at Kansas and Memphis and places like that. And lo and behold, that's where you're going to find a star. Your best receivers. I mean, you did. This might be something uh, to that, you know. Yeah, I mean, you think like Antonio Brown, Central Michigan. I mean, these guys are all, you know. Obviously, Julio Jones is an exception. You know, you get uh, Alabama for him, but I'm. <laughs> there is something about that. It's crazy. But yeah, and like people have him like predicted for third, fourth round pick. I'm like, man, if somebody gets looking at that tape, if somebody, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gonna sell myself as an expert or anything. But just looking at that tape, he just seems to me it's like if you get him in the third round, you're gonna be pretty damn happy with your team. Oh yeah, <laughs> somebody's gonna look like a genius if he lands yeah. to the third round. Yeah. <laughs> Provided he stays healthy. Yeah. You know, I know he had a foot injury. Uh, but he came back and, and, and ran and jumped and did everything at the uh, the pro day in Memphis. Yeah. Uh, was it this week? I think it was earlier this week. Mm-hmm. And so he looks to be healed up, man. I really actually think he might be a little bit faster. So he might not have had a whole bunch of time to train. He ran like a four four eight, but he's probably closer to a four three guy. Yeah. Maybe high four three. So he's actually going to get faster. And we'll see. Again, these are all projections. Yeah. And all it takes is one team to fall in love with yeah. you. It really does. In a year where there's not a whole lot of stars, just really good players, but not necessarily a guy that you look at is going to be uh, all pro or anything in the future. Hey, man, you, you got to take the you know one of the best in the crop as early as you can, or you're going to get left with the leftovers, yeah. basically. So, like I said, I mean, I, I would be a little shocked if he lasts to the third round, but if he does, more power to that team that does get him there because they're going to get a good one. Yeah, for sure. Who else is like, so, you know, we've got a few of these in the can up and out now. I just, who else is standing out to you so far? Mm, well, 
the as far as we've already talked about these guys, Vita Via. Yeah. Uh, the defensive tackle, this tape was just ridiculous. Uh, it really was. Um, think uh, Nelson, the offensive Quentin guard. Look, yeah, he looked really good. Um, and as far as like top level guys, Bradley Chubb, of course, um, looks good. The, the, I think that uh, the kid from uh, UTSA oh, has a yeah. chance to end up being better than uh, Chubb just because I think I see a little bit higher upside. I, I think they both have a lot of potential, but uh, the kid from UTSA is really fast as far as his 40 time, but he doesn't already always use that speed. He, he was still very productive, but once he gets, you know, his get off down where he yeah. can really get off the football, shit. You're going to have a hard time blocking that guy. He got long arms and he knows how to use them yeah. real good with his leverage. And, and, you know, you can tell he's an athlete. Yeah. So, uh, Marcus Davenport. Davenport. Uh, like, I like Chubb a lot. Like, I think he's the safest edge prospect I've broken down maybe ever. Mm hmm. But as far as upside, man, that Davenport kid kind of excites me. So, um, I those are the ones that kind of stand out to yeah. me. I would say, or the ones I've done so far. For sure, cool. Man, it's a. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe it's approaching as fast as it is with with the draft here. But uh, here we are. It's already what April fifth. Damn. Moving right along. In a couple weeks. Yeah, it's going to be here weeks. before you know it. And then a whole new round of draft, hot draft takes will we'll be. We'll have graded draft takes. <laughs> uh, so, I, I, pardon me, a couple of things have happened. I mean, we obviously we've slowed down a little bit with, uh, with free agency, but boy, we had a big trade this week, didn't we? With Brandon Cooks going to the Rams. We had Cooks to the Rams, but before that, which we hadn't talked about yet, we had Indomitian Sue to to the Rams also. Yes. We had talked about it beforehand when we weren't sure Potential. if he was going to end up going there. Yeah. But, yeah. That's a, it's a, kind, of a, kind of an interesting team they've got going there. Man, that's a hell of a team on paper. I'll put it that way. If you if you if you put those guys together on a Madden squad, you have some, you'll be cooking with with fish grease. So uh, now, life is not Madden. They right. still got to put it all together. However, uh, and and I'm skeptical of teams winning the all season too, yeah. just like everybody else. The Bucks won the all season. All season, so to speak, uh, when Lovey Smith got there their first year. And then, I mean, the left tackle they paid all that money to, he was out of the league the next year. Yeah. <laughs> they gave him a multi-year contract, and that dude didn't play anywhere after that. Yeah. And so that's how bad that free agent hall was uh, after they actually had to play for the team. So there's a chance that this won't work out. But, you know – my memory isn't what it used to be. So everybody was bringing up the dream team, the Eagles. Yeah. <laughs> Vince Young proclaiming them the dream team and how, you know, it just really imploded on them that year. So I was going back, Googling, trying to figure out what did happen with the dream team. Like, what, what went so wrong? I think they won their division the year before that. Mm -hmm. And then they brought in some more free agents. And, and so you would have thought they'd have been even, even better. That's when Google reminded me that they hired their longtime offense coordinator to be their defense coordinator. Yep. And that probably had a lot to do with why that season went the way it did. <laughs> yeah. Fortunately for the Rams, who everybody is comparing them to, they have a little bit better defense coordinator. I think Wade Phillips. Yeah. Might know a little bit more about defensive football than Juan Castillo. Yeah, I just think that that's probably the case. Maybe. So if so, if you're bringing up the dream team, just know that doesn't really apply here. Yeah. 
These guys, and that's what's exciting about this. You look at the people that they brought in, a lot of them are on defense. Yeah. And a lot of them fit perfectly with what Wade Phillips wants to do. I mean, just having Indomitian Sue paired up with Brockers and Aaron Donald is fucking ridiculous. And people don't really understand this either. Aaron Donald can play five technique. He can rush as a defensive end. Yeah. Like, I'm not talking about he can get away with it or he's okay. He will beat your left tackle's ass if they put him out there. Just understand that. Your left tackle, your right tackle, Aaron Donald can whoop them one-on-one outside. So there's no limit to the things that Wade Phillips can do this year, and I think he's going to do them. This might be the most exciting year of defensive football if these guys stay healthy that we've seen in a long time. And the Jaguars last year already kind of, you know, had everybody excited about defense again. This These L.A. Rams, though, especially when they have an offense that can score at will almost, yeah. and they added Brandon Cooks, like you said. I mean, come on, man. You get a kid to leave who can still play and is very familiar with what Wade Phillips want. You get the kid from Kansas City Peters. who has all those interceptions. You upgrade in the the safety position as well. Yeah, maybe they need an edge rusher or two, but I'm telling you, that's a a little bit overrated concern. You can stick Aaron Donald out there and whoop offensive tackle's ass if you want to. But you ain't got to because what you could do is put him at one three technique, put Sue at the other three technique, put Michael Brockers right head up on the center, and they will wreck your whole fucking offense. Yeah. Like, you don't have to worry about whether they playing man-to-man or zone or none of that shit because your quarterback is going to be hurt up in the backfield. Yeah. And if he ain't, he's going to be running for his damn life the whole time. Russell Wilson, hey, man, get you some lighter cleats this year because you're going to need them. You're going to need to be as fast as you possibly fucking can this year because if they don't get hurt, if they don't get hurt, man, this what they lining up right now on paper is fucking ridiculous. If you're an offensive line coach, you're just going to have to pray. Yeah. You look and you see that you got to block Aaron Donald in one three technique, Dominic Sue at the other three technique, and Michael Brock is in the middle, meaning none of those three guys, your right guard, center, or left guard gets any help. They got to all win one-on-ones? <laughs> pray. Go to go to chapel service. Go to FCA meetings. Do whatever you got to do, but you better pray a whole lot this year before you face that L.A. Rams defense. And we ain't even talked about the offense yet. Like I said, they can score at will too. Yeah. So that means they're going to be up a lot of times, and now you got to play from behind? <laughs> it's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo signed that contract already. Man, listen. I, all I'm saying is he's going to need some lighter pants. <laughs> now, now, you can't get them too light because you're going to need some protection when they do get to you. But you want to be able to run as fast as you can if you are a quarterback in the NFC West this year. Yeah. You better put your track cleats on. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Try to make it to the edge. Maybe, like I said, they do need some edge rushers. Uh, they, they trade away Robert Quinn or whatever. They're probably going to draft maybe one or two. But maybe you can make it out there. Like if you can get away from those dudes and get outside, I mean, it's still going to be a whole bunch of talent out there too. Mm-hmm. But maybe if you can make it to the edge, you'll be okay. But if you can't make it to the tackle, your ass is going to be in trouble. <laughs> I'm just telling you. <laughs> people don't understand how much help other teams send at Aaron Donald. Because they can. Because, you know, those other guys, Michael Brockers is good, a good nose tackle. But... You know, you don't have anything like Indomitian Sue on that team since Aaron Donald's been there. Yeah. So now you you go ahead and sing, uh, uh, sing your double team at Aaron Donald. Now you're going to stop Indomitian Sue one-on-one? Look, he might not make that pretty move that you seen Aaron Donald make, but he's going to run right down your right guard's face. Like, he's just going to pick him up and shake him like a rag doll and throw him at the quarterback. I, I almost will bet a good amount of money that at some point this year, and Domkhan Sue is literally going to lift the guard up and just throw him at the quarterback. He's going to do it 
because he's going to finally get the one-on-ones that he's never really gotten in his career. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be amazing. This shit is going to be – all. I just, I just hope they stay healthy because – and I'm not a Rams fan, but just for the sake of football, man, I want to see these guys play all 16 games together. I yeah. want to see what the hell that looks like. And if that, like, if that doesn't cleanse, if you are a Rams fan and that doesn't cleanse your palate of Jeff Fisher, nothing will. We're we're a long Jeff way Fisher, from Fisher Ball. Jeff Fisher gonna be in the corner crying this year. <laughs> He's crying a fucking river. I could have done that. They just didn't give me the chance. Uh, but yeah and then you have the Cooks trade this week which is they sent their first rounder the 23rd overall pick to the Patriots and I mean you know this is just kind of consistently what the Rams have been doing they've been aggressive you heard their name kicked around in the Odell Beckham trade rumors you know we'll see whether or not Odell Beckham Jr. actually gets traded I kind of doubt he will but you know they obviously were in the market for a receiver and, and the Patriots as is Patriots tradition, they don't like to pay receivers, so it was a they had a willing partner there. But it's kind of an interesting thing to see the Patriots with two first round picks like this. Well, remember last year when I was saying that their defensive problems were personnel related? Yeah, they need some help. Yeah, they did have some guys that kind of came on later on in the year. Yeah, but they need an influx of talent. Yeah, I know a lot of people saying they're gonna package the, the those picks up, I think they're actually going to draft some guys finally. Yeah. they need some young, uh, influx of young talent, particularly on defense. Yeah. Now, Brandon Cooks, look, people kind of forget this, but I'll go back and tell you, I thought that he was going to be a huge part of the game plan in the Super Bowl for the Patriots. Mm-hmm. And right when he got hurt, they were just starting to feed him the football. Yeah. If he doesn't get hurt in that game, as close as that game came down to, there's a very good chance he could have been a difference in that game. Yeah. He was, uh, I think, the second leading receiver in almost every category for them right behind Rob Gronkowski and everything. Yeah. Right behind him in receptions and receiving yardage and touchdowns. And so this is a very good player. Yeah. This ain't just some slappy. And really, you you, you you know that that's the case because how many guys are getting traded for first-round picks these years? Yeah. This, this time around, basically, you're seeing guys getting traded for sixth-round picks and fifth-round picks, maybe a third-round pick here or there. The fact that they got a first-round pick for Brandon Cooks tells you that dude is a really good player. Yeah. They already had Robert Woods, and you got uh, – What's his name? The running back in the backfield. Gurley. With golf pulling the trigger. Man, listen. Their offense, and for whatever reason, they couldn't figure it out with Sammy Watkins last year. If they can figure out a good role for Brandon Cooks, where, you know, he kind of compliments Robert Woods and they feed off each other, their offense could be even better. Yeah. This year. And they were averaging, what, 30 points a game last yeah. year? <laughs> right. One of the best ones in the league, just in points scored. So, yeah. If I was in the NFC West, I'd be very afraid right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you load up like that, I mean, anything less than a Super Bowl, it's just sort of like, it's kind of going to be a disappointment. Like, and, you know, if everybody's healthy, obviously, but. That's a yeah, I mean, interesting. Patriots have two first rounders and two second rounders too, so that's kind of, I know everyone kind of is just focused on that quarterback thing, like you said, but that does make a lot more sense. And then they go find who knows what happened in the with those second round picks then too, if that's where they find their guy or not. But it's uh, and they need a left tackle too. They don't have a left tackle to speak of. Right. So. Uh, Which is something you probably need when you've got a forty-one-year-old quarterback. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit more than a minor concern, I think, <laughs> that you have a credible left tackle out there. And I was just sitting here thinking, I, I I, haven't broken everybody down yet, but I don't know that I've seen a left tackle that you just want to stick out there right away yeah. so far in this particular draft. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. I don't really know any that are just walking around 
right now on the street that they can sign for free agency. So yeah, I in football. Hey. It's a. See what happens. Maybe they can package those picks up for a left tackle. You never know. You never know. But I just don't think it'll be the move up in the draft. No, no. It doesn't seem like they're mo. You know what I mean? I just, I just don't see them. You know, to get trading into the top ten anyway, especially since you know you're probably going to have at least four of those top ten picks. More than likely going to be quarterbacks anyway. So. It's a. Uh, it's good to be a quarterback. You get all the attention. <laughs> Whether you want it or not. <laughs> oh, let's see. The NFL world, it's been... Uh, I, I did want to get your opinion on this because I, it does seem like... I, and we were talking a little bit about before we started recording here, but they fixed the catch rule. Hallelujah. And, it, you know, I know we talked about that too. It, and it, they fixed it in a way that, lo and behold, credit where credit is due... NFL doesn't always make sense, but they finally have come up with a catch rule that kind of makes sense. Doesn't look too screw-upable. But uh, this targeting rule that they passed seems like it could be... I know a lot of pe- it, you know, people aren't talking about it now. It's been a while, but uh, it could be the kind of thing they end up talking about quite a lot on a week-to-week basis if, if, uh, if they don't get it defined properly like they say they're going to, where any, you know, any instance of lowering your helmet could get you thrown out of a game. I think it's dumb. I, I really can't understand why they came up with it. It sounds like they didn't get any input from coaches or players. These GMs just sitting around coming up with this bullshit amongst themselves. And really, when it comes down to it, it's a shifting of the responsibility for concussions onto players yet again. Yeah. It's a subtle thing. It's a subtle thing. Right. But first of all, and and although I'm directly affected about this, by this, this is actually public knowledge. The NFL is dragging their feet on the concussion settlement. Yeah. Everybody knows they haven't paid out any money. And ever since they came up with their concussion settlement, they've done things to shift responsibility for concussions onto the players. This whole, you know, from uh, suspending guys for for. Uh, blows to the head yeah. to, uh, you know, the targeting rule that we already had uh, with, you know, the uh, unnecessary roughness or whatever. All of it, all of it falls on the players. Think about this, because I was thinking about this for a while. Think about how many guys have been fined for big hits to the head since you know, this concussion settlement came about. Yeah. Think about how many guys have been suspended for big hits as well, right? And mm-hmm. and now you want to kick them out of the game. On the flip side, think about how many times that we have seen for ourselves teams totally fuck up the concussion protocol. Yeah. How many times we've seen guys get hit in the head nobody checks on? Yeah. How many fucking teams have been actually fined for that? Yeah. Every single time just about they come back and say, well, the uh, turns out the, the, the uh, concussion protocol was followed and they did everything they could, so uh, they won't be fined. Yeah. And that's just, that, that, that goes to show you that they're trying to make it seem like, well, we're doing all this to improve the game. Really, they're shifting responsibility. Yeah. And so now that's why you have people mm-hmm. saying, you know, well, you just got to stop hitting with your head. Listen, man, most people ain't trying to hit with no. their head. That's not the fucking case. But even in those cases, right, okay, well, what about all these teams that have fucked up the concussion protocol? Why isn't there as much vitriol about that? Yeah. But, you know, you put it on the players who have to make split-second decisions when another guy is making split-second decisions at the same time you're trying to lower your aiming point. This guy ducks, and you're still going to get penalized for it. Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter. You made you know, contact helmet to helmet. But that is a part of the game. The, the thing is, and, and this is, is what it, it shows you the PR machine that the NFL is, folks have forgotten that the real 
you know, push behind guys wanting concussion settlement in the first place or going to sue the league over concussions was because the league lied to us about the effects of concussions forever. Yeah. It wasn't until they were confronted with irrefutable evidence of what concussions do to players that they finally had to own up to it. We know about the fake studies that they financed. We know about their head concussion guy not even being a fucking neurologist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a guy who literally said, you know, getting another concussion can actually be good for you after yeah. you get the first one. And so it's like they have memory hold all of that. And now it's like, okay, well, this is all about improving the game and making the game safer. We get to the extent that we knew that football is a physical game and you're going to get some injuries. Yes, we all signed up for that. We know that there's some times where it's a bang, bang play and there's just no way to avoid contact with the helmet. Yeah. But we had motherfuckers telling us, well, get back out there and play. You're just dinged. Yeah. Take a couple fucking aspirin and go back out there or we're going to cut you. So the real difference will be if they were taking better care of us, not making these asinine rules, trying to govern shit that guys really can't, they can't control. Yeah. I can't control what a guy who, a guy who I'm trying to tackle is going to do. And if I try to, there's a chance I'm going to make myself, put myself in danger. Yeah. Get myself hurt. And, and, and it goes for blocking, too, and all of that shit. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you want to make a push for uh, better safety in the NFL, then better helmets, okay? Better concussion protocol. Actually punishing people yeah. who violate the concussion protocol. Independent neurologists, some of the stuff that they've done. But again, when it comes to punishment, the players are bearing the brunt of this all the time. This guy's getting kicked out. Yeah. Guys having to pay big fines. All of that. And you hardly ever see that from the teams. They are hardly ever held accountable. And they make it seem like, oh, this is all just because guys were playing dangerously the whole time. Yeah. No. You fucking wanted us to. You marketed videos. Yeah. Of the big hits back then. When it was profitable for- profitable for you. You didn't want to know what it was doing to your players. You suppressed all of these these different studies and put forth your own bogus studies about uh, concussions, making it seem like, oh, it's no big deal. And to this fucking day, to this day, a lot of people don't realize the NFL still hasn't admitted a link between football and CTE. That was part of the concussion settlement that they didn't have to actually come out and own up to it. Yep. But now we have yet another rule that's going to punish the players. It's fucking ridiculous. And I I give it to the second or third week of preseason before it gets thrown out anyway. Yeah. Because it's impractical. Yeah. You're going to kick out half the fucking team. Then what you going to do? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's just, and it's one little mistake too. I mean, like, you know, all you, it's amazing what, you know, it, it becomes a helmet hit because one player moves i mean you know you literally some guy moves six inches and, and suddenly it changes the nature of the hit entirely and it's not an intentional thing it's just the way he moved it's it's and look it look we already have a mechanism in place if a guy intentionally yeah. does something to find them after the fact when you can actually look at film yeah yeah now you're gonna have some dude one guy remember we're replaying now it's all one guy river run who couldn't tell you a fucking catch last year from a hole in the ground <laughs> is now going to judge whether somebody had him to him a contact and should be thrown out of the game in real time. Yeah. It's, it's, it's untenable. I just don't see it working and it's fucking ridiculous in the first place. Yeah. If a guy has intent to hurt somebody, then after the fact you see that on film and you find them or suspend on there, kicking them out of the game is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, somebody, what was, uh, who did it? I don't remember who, who it was that, that did it, but they went back and watched film from a Steelers-Bengals game 
obviously. Last year with, you know, the the guy, this new rule that they passed. And if they really, had they stuck to the letter of it, as, as passed, you know, at the owner's meeting, there would have been ten guys kicked out in the first quarter. Ten! And it don't sound like a lot until you realize you only carry one extra offensive lineman usually on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, defensive lineman, you might have six total. Yeah. And so when you start thinking about that, maybe you got four wide receivers. Now two of them out the game, you got to play the whole game with two receivers. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> yeah. It just, it's a... Uh... It's now, again, you know what? Effect. Something easy they could do to help with the concussion situation? Make more of the guys active on Sunday. Yeah. So guys aren't having to play as many reps. And if somebody's hurt, you can put somebody else in there. Yeah. But they won't do that shit. No. No, they got to punish the players. They got to come down hard, bring down the hammer on the players as if it's the player's fault, this whole concussion situation. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh. It is, and like yeah, and like you say, you you roll that together with the fact that there's just absolutely no teeth in the enforcement of that concussion protocol. That they make such a big deal out of it, and there's no teeth in the enforcement of it. It's just it's it's still really it's just window dressing, just the window dressing nature of all that. I mean, I would have to Google it because I can't remember. I can't really rely on my memory, but I really don't remember any team having a hammer dropped on them. Because they violated the concussion protocol. No, and we saw it a few times. I mean, we saw it three or four times. I know Russell Wilson once. Cam Newton. Yep, Cam. Shit, I think it was Cam more than once. Yeah. Remember when he took a knee or something? And... Yeah, that was late in the year, too, that one. Like, that might have even been in the playoffs. But, yeah, still, they keep skating. Yeah. Players get fined. Players get suspended. The owners and the teams, they just keep skating. Well, and then it kills me because, like, you go back and, like, the first really pronounced incident of this under the, the newer version of the concussion protocol was the Case Keenum one. Because I remember because it was Rams last year in St. Louis. but And they did find that they had fucked it up. And there wasn't any punishment handed out. Not even a fine. And don't kid yourself... A fine, a couple hundred thousand dollars, nothing to these owners anyway. <laughs> it's pocket change, literally. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, even if you do get found in violation of the concussion protocol, you, 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 you're going to get in bigger trouble if you put fake crowd noise in the stadium. Which or if you amazing. deflate footballs. Yeah. <laughs> Supposedly. Allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> Allegedly. Pits, don't, don't get on our mentions, Patriots fans. We're cool. <laughs> oh man, Steven. Uh it's uh another good another good show in the books here. We're rolling on toward the draft, and I suspect we'll have uh even more to digest next week. Can't wait. <laughs> 